Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than a newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Strumsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. Hello again, internet ears. We're back, and you might have noticed that we've been gone, or alternatively, you have noticed peace and silence in the universe, which is another sign that we have been gone. The silence is over, people. There is now only chaos. We had a lot going on in these last couple months, specifically new jobs, moving, marriage, a gigantic metal robot emerging from the void and chasing us around time and space for hundreds, if not millions of years, and just all around a lot of stuff to do. Um, We're excited to be back with you here, though, whether you want us to be or not, um, weirder and possibly stinkier than ever. So all these things did definitely happen, but the one that I remember most and look back on most fondly is being chased by a gigantic metal robot through time and space. It was really cool how we solved our differences, spent an entire millennia clearing up a misunderstanding with the bot, and then re-emerging from the void a mere two months after we left. I'd say that's quite good. Do you know what else is good, Florence? Just farting in the grocery store and walking away? Yes, chocolate chip cookies. And in the studio to talk about these delicious delights, we have me, Diane Weathersby, a known chocolate chip cookie enthusiast. But did you bring chocolate chip cookies to the studio? I brought Oreos, which is actually the number one cookie in America, possibly the world. Oreos aren't even that good. Uh, I'm sorry? You, you cut off there? What was that? <laughs> Let's dive right into the headline. <laughs> Hello and happy Spooptober, everyone. What's the scariest thing you can imagine? Zombies, ghouls, slow, painful death, your best friend, co-host, saying she doesn't like Oreos, (laughs) your eyes filling with worms, rotting and falling out of your skull, but you can't die because a witch cursed you to immortality? What? Having your identity stolen? Great brainstorming. The scariest thing I can imagine is being born in a world where chocolate chip cookies did not exist. For anyone living before 1930, this horrible, horrible world I described was actually a reality. These poor souls had to live and die, never tasting a chocolate chip cookie, always feeling like something was missing, but never being able to figure out what. Having the constant, insatiable craving that couldn't be quenched no matter what they tried. Could the 20s really have been all that roaring without chocolate chip cookies? I think not. The extravagance of the 20s shows how people were trying to fill an unknown void in their souls created by the lack of these good cookies with their soft, gooey chocolates. Yes, the 1930s did see the beginning of the Great Depression, which was terrible to live through, I'm sure, but I would rather live in the 30s with chocolate chip cookies than in the 20s without. I mean, and I feel like the Great Depression would really make you appreciate the little things in life, like chocolate chip cookies. Like chocolate chip cookies, yes. So, the spirits, gods, or cat overlords, long may they they reign, that preside over our happiness, saw that humanity was suffering after the stock market crash. 
To counteract this turmoil, they sent the knowledge of chocolate chip cookies down to one Ruth Graves Wakefield of Massachusetts. A hero. She was preparing to make chocolate butter drop dew cookies, but hark! <laughs> she was out of baker's chocolate. What? What is the dew? What does dew mean? Does it look like a poop? It's D-O. Like dew. Like, I will do eat all these cookies. I will do that. <laughs> I will do eat all these cookies. Anyway, was it carelessness that caused her to forget to buy more baker's chocolate? Or was it a trickster god cat overboard? Long, long, long may they rain. That depleted her supply. We may never know for sure, but I think we can speculate that it was the latter. Being a crafty genius, this is why she was chosen to receive the recipe. She substituted semi sweet chocolate that she had personally received from Andrew Nestle. Yes. Nestle of the Nestle Company. She thought that the chocolate would melt and spread throughout the cookies like Baker's chocolate apparently does. But when the cookies were done, she discovered that the chocolate pieces kept their shape and became soft and gooey. And in that moment, a star was born. I have a couple she, questions. I would love to address your questions at the One, end of the segment, Florence. Oh, just sorry. kidding. Go ahead. I just want to know... Why she just didn't throw in the towel? Like, it had to be fate. Because if I was out of an ingredient, I'd be like, well, fuck, I'm out of an ingredient. And then I would make a different recipe with the cookie ingredients that I had. Well, have you ever been halfway through a recipe and you already have, like, all your dry ingredients wetted by, like, butter? And then you just can't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what happened, which is another thing. Like, you should you know, prepare beforehand. Like, Mm -hmm. I always get all my ingredients out before I make something to make sure I have them. Sometimes, several days in advance, I'll get out every single ingredient I need for a recipe Mm -hmm. before I cook it. So it's just like, that's that's an important thing for me when I'm baking and when I'm cooking. But anyway, I'm grateful that for some reason she was unprepared at this time. But she was secretly prepared. Anyway... Or she's been planning this the whole time and her and Nestle were in on a great conspiracy to make money. That could be it because, hey guys, it worked. It really worked. (laughs) So she named her new creation, not chocolate chip cookies because chocolate chips, that's not what she used, weren't invented yet. She named it chocolate chunk cookie, which seems pretty accurate. Chocolate chips were still not a thing. Her recipe was featured on a radio show at the time, which could be a totally great podcast now, called The Betty Crocker Cooking School of the Air. I cannot tell you why it was of the air. Is it because we breathe air? Because they broadcasted from a floating city? I'm sure someone will speculate that it's because radio shows are on air, but that's <laughs> dumb and boring. Anyway, so it's on this totally cool show, and then she published a book called Toll House Tried and True Recipes, in which she renamed the cookie Toll House Chocolate Crunch Cookie. It's a mouthful. To call it popular would be an understatement. Maybe it was Betty Crocker's school for airbenders. (laughs) And then one day the chocolate chip cookies attacked. And nothing was ever the same. Okay. So, obviously, Nestle was goddamn grateful Mm -hmm. that Ruth created this cookie and shared it with the world because it meant that Nestle was selling chocolate like it was nobody's business, which is wild, again, because it's the Great Depression. So, they're selling chocolate 
despite it all. So that makes it even more impressive. So Ruth ended up selling this recipe to Nestle in exchange for a lifetime supply of chocolate. Hells yeah. AKA, that's the coolest payday ever. Nestle had the bright idea to make the bars of chocolate easier to cut. They, like, scored them, so you just, like, cut on the lines to make your chunks. And then they started to print the recipe, which was now branded as Mrs. Wakefield's Toll House Cookies. Mm -hmm. And they put the recipe on the packaging of their chocolate. Finally, in 1939, Nestle was all like, hey, we got a better way to do this than halfway cutting the bars and letting the bakers do the rest. Why don't we just make the chocolate into morsels that you can specifically buy for the cookies? LOL, why did it take us nearly a decade to figure this out? (laughs) And thus, Nestle's Toll House chocolate morsels were brought into existence. The original recipe is still printed on the package because you cannot improve on perfection. Accurate. I'm happy that what could have been a baking mishap became a wild success and that Ruth Graves Wakefield knew what a beautiful thing she did and told everyone about it. I'm just so proud of her. Like she should she could have just kept making these cookies at home for herself and for her friends and her family. But she put it out there. She went on a radio show. She wrote a book about it. She was buddy buddy with Nestle. Like how mm-hmm. cool is that? Ugh. And- yeah, that's pretty awesome. That was a dang cool history lesson on cookies there, Diane. Thank you. I just really love chocolate chip cookies, and I've been thinking about them nonstop, which is mm-hmm. why I bought Oreos. <sighs> but I wish – okay, so you know how they're called chocolate chips? I don't really like that they're called chocolate chips because it reminds me of, like, buffalo chips or, like, cow chips, like dried animal poo. What? Why? Yeah. Why? What? You know, like they, like cow chips or buffalo chips. That's what the pioneers used to start their fires. Okay. Uh, well, what? Well, I just, I think that growing up, like you heard of chocolate chips before you heard of like cow or buffalo chips to start fires for pioneers. So I don't know why <laughs> Clearly, it flipped in your brain. It last, left a lasting effect. I'm Did affected. You- did your parents introduce you to Oregon Trail before they fed you a chocolate chip cookie, or how did this happen? I wasn't allowed to eat until I beat the Oregon Trail. I need to speak with them right now. Put them on the phone. That is illegal. Uh, Florence, do you hear that rattling coming from the closet? Oh my gosh. The classifieds. So because our time trapped in the void fighting robots and participating in reality shows, the classifieds have really started to pile up. Someone dumped a giant stack of 12,000 flyers that all just say save the grapes. <gasps> I don't know what that means, but come on, people. Let's do better for the grapes. They deserve it. We deserve it. I'm here for those grapes. Here are some of the most intelligible classifieds. Enjoy. Lost. One especially plump yellow balloon, filled with helium and all my hopes and dreams. A particularly strong windstorm separated us, but I received a letter from my balloon from Oregon. Please start the search there. Return tied to a sturdy rock. Community event. Free for all. Dark Side of the Moon concert experience on October 24th, the next full moon date starting at 12 a.m. with all your favorite bands like Dexy Midnight Runners, Tony Basil, and Vanilla Ice. Great fun for the whole family. Attendees are responsible for transport to the moon and supplying their own oxygen. For sale, 
rat meat frozen contact me by leaving freezer paper in your in your mailbox i'll find you now hiring do you have a great team spirit and looking for a supportive environment to grow professionally we are the mob for you the inks are the biggest and best mob in detroit and want you to join their team if you have a compassion for teamwork, a sense of camaraderie for your coworkers, and an explicable number of cement blocks, send your resume into Taylor Baby Shanks McGuire in our human resources department. Mob on. Hopefully some of those, you know, really reached out to you people. Like, hopefully you can help some of these folks out or maybe get some rat meat out of it, but Yeah. Hopefully they touched you in all the ways that you wanted to be touched. Just tickled you. In all the ways you wanted to be tickled. Mm-hmm. So Florence, what's life without a little spice? And what's fall without a little pumpkin spice? Today, I went to my local soul-sucking grocery chain after work because I was crabby and sad. As I was walking around, looking for things to make me feel better, I saw them. Glowing in the distance, pumpkin spice frosted flakes. Holy shiitake. Yeah. I smiled, remembering my vows from last year to sample everything pumpkin spice. All my worries melted away as I stared at Tony the Tiger, satisfying my every need. I don't speak tiger, but I understood what he was saying perfectly. His cardboard smile and his cardboard gaze were more inviting than I've ever found a flesh and blood human. I decided to be coy and give some attention to the pumpkin spice frosted mini wheats by his side, but there was no stopping what had started. I took Tony away with me and barely made it to the car. I opened the bag and was happy to find that Tony did not deceive me. It was everything he promised. And I'm happy to report to you that the flakes are quite good. This message brought to you by Frosted Flakes. So his package was pretty sweet then, huh? Mm-hmm. It's very spicy package, yes. Um, sidebar, someone brought in caramel, pumpkin spice, boom chicka pop popcorn. And I'll be damned if that wasn't the most delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth hole. And I'll be damned if I don't want some right now. Today, I was grooming my beloved demon unicorn horse, Rick. As I was brushing his blood-matted mane, I found a letter tangled in the hair. I unfolded it and read, Dear Florence and Diane, This horse was pillaging a village, and I somehow knew in my heart that he would make his way back to you, which is why I enclosed this letter. I need help. I recently entered a cooking show because I feel very savvy in the kitchen, but I found out that you must make your own recipes. No copying from Pinterest. I am hopeless at creating recipes. Please help me so I can win this contest and have my name and family go down in history forever. Sincerely, run out of recipes. Wow, that is a tricky competition. Are there even enough food combinations in the world that you can really even invent your own recipes anymore? They better be doing their research is all I'm saying. Regardless, run out of recipes? We got you covered. We reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. Number one, start by adopting recipes. You don't have to start out completely alone. You can find a recipe that you know and love and put a new twist on it, making it brand spanking new. It's best to start by identifying the style of cooking that you enjoy the most. Are you obsessed with cooking Thai food or dabbling with tamales? 
Or do you enjoy cooking beans in an old boot over an open fire underneath a highway, far, far away from civilization? Find what methods of cooking are your favorite. It'll be easiest to adapt recipes if you feel familiar with the cooking style. Next, search for inspiration. Pinterest, cookbooks, and cooking blogs are great places to start, but who hasn't seen those recipes? Literally millions of people have seen those recipes. You have to look deeper. You have to be more creative. Ooh. For a beginner, start by consulting the stars. Lay out in a field with a sack pot in front of you full of water. Stare at the reflection of the stars in that reflective surface redundancy. Wait until the stars whisper their favorite popover recipe to you through that kettle. Still not creative enough? Let the food speak to you. Bring all the base ingredients of your favorite recipes into your home. Sunshine, chicken sperm, a speck of manure that will fertilize that corn on the cob you enjoy munching on. Create a machine that lets you communicate with inanimate objects. They will whisper the most delicious ways to prepare their byproducts and you'll become a master. Time to check out the Bible. There are numerous tasty food inspirations between those pages that you just can't find anywhere else. And what can I say? They're Jesus approved. Do you have a sweet tooth? Check out Matthew chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. John the Baptist is a mixing up that sweet, sweet dessert. Locust and wild field honey. Got a big appetite? In Nehemiah chapter 5 verses 14 through 19, one ox six choice sheep, and some chickens, which were prepared daily, and then every 10 days, a large supply of wine was delivered. Granted, that fed 150 Jewish people and officials, but that would probably be enough for a large family dinner. Okay, you found your best locust recipe, and you're really feeling that biz. Time to identify what you like about it. Have you always enjoyed the good crunch of grasshopper? Do you like deep frying things? Do you enjoy biblical plagues? This will help you identify what inspires you in the kitchen. Before you make any major changes to the recipe you dug up, make sure you cook the original first. That way you can get a feel for what the recipe is actually like and be able to better improve it in the future. Eat that cooked recipe, savor it, rub it into your armpits and absorb it into your sweat glands. Yes, feel it, become the recipe. Then start to think about what will make it it better. You're sitting with a big old bowl of locusts and wild honey and something just isn't doing it for your palate. Would the addition of an ingredient help or the subtraction? What tastes good with honey? Peanut butter? Maybe add a peanut butter drizzle to the dish. Try things out. Get all your buds together to taste test your creations. Remember, not all of them will be hits, but real friends will clean their plates even if your creation makes them break out in a clammy sweat and get instant stomach cramps. This is also a good way to find out who your real friends are. Hashtag find out who your friends are. Time to write your recipe. You've done it. You're the next Betty Crocker and you created a delicious and delectable recipe that all your friends love. And unsurprisingly, one of the main ingredients isn't locusts. Time to put this biatch in writing so that you can share it with your loved ones. First, give it a name. You labored over this recipe. You held the placenta in your hands. You deserve to name it. You can start with some classics like Susan, Bob, or Battlestar Galactica. Write that name on the top of the recipe card. Nice work. List the ingredients next. 
This doesn't require a lot of direction. What did you put in the recipe? How much? Write that down. Whisper an incantation to guarantee that no one else will be able to create the recipe without your permission. Some sort of Celtic or Canadian chant will do the trick. This will keep the recipe from getting sniped by those who don't deserve it. Take that and suck it, cooking bloggers. Write the instructions for preparing the recipe. Here's an example of how to start almost all recipes out. Be born. Live life until you learn how to operate a stove slash oven and own a set of basic cooking supplies. Decide you want to cook a recipe. But like I said, this is just one example. You can also choose how accessible you want your recipe to be. Do you write it in a common tongue or do you try your hand at pig Latin or based on the hieroglyphics Pokemon unknown? You have the recipe on paper, now what? In a battle for your taste buds, there are four main contenders. They work together to make sure that everything tastes delicious and cohesive. If they aren't cohesive, there is the possibility that you could develop icky tongueitis after consuming the recipe. There is no known cure for this disease, so it's important to be careful. First, salt. What is salt? Tears? Sweat? Or is it a substance used to enhance the natural flavors and aromas of a current recipe? Well, it's up to you to decide how you get the salt. This little artery-clogging friend will really jazz up a bitter or flat recipe. Two, sweetness. And I'm not just talking about Diane's pickup lines, people. Adding some sweetness can really sweeten the pot. Try alternatives to cane sugar like maple syrup, molasses, women's perfume, and one large rock or two small boulders. Three, sour, the opposite of sweet. Adding some sour can really complement two sweet recipes and cool down two spicy recipes. Try blending sour patch kids and sprinkling them over a fruit salad or a sweet cream cheese frosting to mild out those flavors. Four, bitter, better, be careful with bitter. You don't really want your food to be bitter unless it's like coffee or kale. If you're making a coffee ground and kale salad, just be aware that the bitter flavor is going to be a little strong. Use bitterness moderately. These obviously aren't the only tastes that the human palate can taste. Don't forget about floral, minty, savory, and so on and so forth. It's about finding a good balance. You have totally got this run out of recipes. When in doubt, just remember, you can always pretend you invented a recipe. Oh, hold on. Wait, Florence, hold up. Where is this train taking us? Choo-choo. Ah, yes. The motivation station. All right, it's that time of the year again. Time to get motivated to transform into your couch and a pile of dirty sweaters. Fall is a universally accepted time to begin to devolve into a pile of human garbage, spend your entire days wrapped in blankets, and eat rich, hearty, comfort foods for every meal to fill your belly and your waistline. How do you prep for this glorious time of the year? There are so many great things that happen in the autumn. The leaves on the trees change and fall. Pumpkin spice and apple cider are common flavors once again. Halloween, Thanksgiving, ghosts, you name it. In order to prepare for the true most wonderful time of the year, I take a crispy red fallen leaf out of the bear's book and transform my body into a portable den. I first cover myself in glue and roll on the ground outside until you can't tell where I end and the leaves begin. Then I apply the same basic principle to all the fall things that I like. Entire pumpkins will find themselves permanently stuck to me. 
I'll cover myself in 42 layers of Halloween costumes. I reapply zombie makeup every morning. The first of November, I'll add a turkey as my hat. I love that people can look at me and know exactly what I enjoy most about fall and can choose any of my interests to engage me in conversation. How about you, Florence? How do you celebrate the true most wonderful time of the year? I just have to say, Diane, that was really beautiful. You really immerse yourself into the fall culture, and I think that's awesome. I do, physically and mentally, just completely in it. Thank you. Personally, I need to let myself sit and rise to the pasty hat mess that I will become over the next few months. As soon as October hits, it's important that I tuck myself into a warm place and eat gummy bears and let myself rise until I double in my size. This can take anywhere from two hours to two months, depending on how much gummy bears I have available. Next, a good friend comes and coats my entire body in melted butter so I'm nice and toasty, like movie theater popcorn, and keep a mug of warm beverages in front of me, full at all times. This is how I stay until March, when I finally unfurl, revealing the pasty, pale lump of human dough flesh that I really am. I would like to volunteer to be that friend that coats your entire being, and dare I say, soul, in delicious melted butter. You gotta get my butt, too. Obviously, that's why they call it butter. (laughs) Okay, we need to end this. (laughs) Today, I took a bite into a delicious, gooey chocolate chip cookie. It was warm... And as I said previously, delicious. I looked down at it to find that it wasn't a cookie at all. It was a portobello mushroom. Damn you vegans. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud for more great episodes. If you liked what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please include your grandmother's secret cookie recipe so I can monetize on it. If you're in love with what you heard, make up a new delicious cookie recipe that is as popular as chocolate chip cookies and dedicate them to us. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad to be back. I also want to thank the sky today for giving us just a small glimpse of the snow that will soon be falling here. And I want to curse the sky today for giving us a small glimpse of the snow that will soon be falling here. I also want to thank Jake Harrison for allowing us to use his track titled Five off of his album found on SoundCloud and Spotify. Thanks, Jake. You can find this music through the link or by searching at this. Tweet us at realityoutloud. Use the hashtag thinkweirderthoughts and then actually begin to think weirder thoughts. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. This is when the outro music starts. Well, that that was fun. That felt good. It felt like something. It was a thing, and there were both words, and ear words, and there is a new spell. We spoke the entire time.